Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp Welcome Radio. to Camp Radio, Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. The church has many opportunities in our communities to be able to reach people through different compassion ministries. And we have with us today Beth Moore. Uh, she is the compassion ministry specialist with the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Beth, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Well, I know you're a very busy person, and uh, just like everybody else, but uh, I, I'm glad that you took the time to uh, just speak a little bit about just compassion ministry in general. But I think we'd like to know a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm bo- I was born and raised in Elizabethton, Tennessee, so I'm a small-town girl from the mountains. I went to Carson Newman College. And I served overseas with the International Mission Board in South Asia for several years. And I've been with Tennessee Baptist Mission Board for four years now. So I've known you for, well, I guess when you started. Yeah. For, for four years. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you, to us, you are the famous Beth Moore, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, uh, but we really uh, uh, enjoy spending time with you and getting to know you and, and what what your heart is. I know your heart is really missions. Yes. Do you have a dog or? A... I don't. No, I'm Can't not. Can't believe you don't have a dog. No, I don't. Well, because I'm <laughs> not married and I travel a lot for my job. Oh, that's true. It's a little difficult. So yeah. I have some house plants that I've managed to keep alive. But other than that, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Elizabethan is an awesome place in East Tennessee. It is. Mountainous areas close to the ski resorts, not yes, too far not from too far there. From yeah. Boone, yeah. So it's a neat, neat part of the country. Tell us a little bit about your story. I know uh, you've told me uh, over the years a little bit about it, but, but tell those who are listening just about where God has led you through your journey and how he got you to the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Yeah, so I came to faith um, when I was 11 years old, um, just after actually my parents' divorce. Um, And it's at that time that my mom kind of got back into church and we got involved and I began to understand my need, my lack of a relationship with, with Christ. And so grew up in at Calvary Baptist Church in Elizabethton and was discipled there by um, my pastor and his wife and a lot of just amazing people who, from the get-go, from the time that I made a decision to follow Jesus, really taught me missions that, as believers, were called to know Christ and to make Him known. And Joe Sawyer was your pastor, which he, works at the convention. He does. Which he he's does. been on our podcast before, so he's yes. a great guy. He is. He is. And so, yeah, from, from the time I came to faith, Joe actually came to our church, well, 30 years ago, actually, in February when I was baptized. And um, and so, yeah, he um, really just kind of instilled in me that what we do as believers is we we know Jesus and we make him known to others. And that starts where we live and that extends um, to the ends of the earth. And so when I was 17 years old, um, I really began feeling the Lord calling me to not just say I'm a believer, but I want to give 
my plans, my future, whatever that looks like to him. And so um, I didn't really know what that meant other than to just with open hands say, okay, whatever my future is, Lord, it's yours. And so after college, when I graduated from Carson Newman, I went with the International Mission Board as a journeyman. And I really wanted to see, okay, so what would it be like to live overseas and kind of missions and ministry as my life. And so I served in Costa Rica for two years teaching missionary children and then came back, lived in Elizabethton, and then went on to Southeastern Seminary. Um, And because during that time, the Lord really confirmed uh, full-time ministry. And at that time that that was leading to overseas missions was, was what he had for me and wanted to be equipped and prepared and trained to serve in that way. The journeyman program. Do they even still have the journeyman program? They do. Do they really? They do. And so, yeah, it's a great program for recent college grads to spend two years serving overseas. Um, And it's kind of something we can all, everyone can do two years, even if the Lord hasn't called you to a career. I remember when I was in Venezuela, we, at that time, and this is when I was actually at Carson Newman Uh myself, Tennessee, uh, it's called Tennessee Baptist Convention at that time. Had a partnership with Venezuela. Okay. And so, um, and so through that, I went with a camp to Camp Carabobo. Okay. And was we actually went there three times and spent a month there with a journeyman. Okay. Lived in his apartment with him. Uh huh. So that was an interesting experience. A guy yeah. came, didn't know any Spanish, but he yeah. picked it up. Yeah, same. I mean, I'd, I'd taken high school Spanish, but it doesn't really like... No, it's not quite the same. Yeah, it's not quite the same. <laughs> so, and I went to Costa Rica as a journeyman because I had gone on a trip when I was in college with a Tennessee partnership trip to Costa Rica. Um, and so, yeah, so I've been um, blessed by Tennessee Baptist and the Tennessee Baptist Convention most of my life. So. Well, and that is, that is an awesome opportunity we have our partnerships we have every year through the convention yeah. for churches to get their congregation plugged into something that impacts just like you yeah. for the rest of your life right. that they feel may feel a call to mission work. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So from there, you, you came back to uh, the States. Yes. And, and yeah. then what? So after Costa Rica? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so then seminary. Um, I taught for a couple of years in Elizabethton. My bachelor's degree is actually in special education. So I taught for a couple of years and then went to seminary and kind of began praying about what it would look like where the Lord might be calling me. And I just knew unreached people. I wanted to work with women in unreached people groups. And so that was in India of all places. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your experience there and uh, what was... Uh, and I guess I'm, my, my question would, would be, I'm sure there's lots of compassion ministry there. So what was it like in, in, in that area? So I worked in um, in a larger city, but by Indian standards, small, four million people is where I started out and uh, worked a lot with women um, like living in poverty, extreme poverty. Most of the women that I worked with were uneducated. We did some basic women's health trainings and we used that as a platform to then share Bible stories and then share the gospel and hopefully from there start Bible studies. So um, the, I mean, there's needs. There are hungry people everywhere, but because the population is so huge in India, the magnitude and just the sheer numbers of people that are in desperate need. 
Um, the second city I worked in and lived in was um, more, I mean, it's one of the largest cities in the world. And so a lot of the slums and even the red light districts where I worked. And so just to see, again, just extreme poverty and people um, with so very, very little. So, yeah, there was lots of opportunities for mercy ministry, compassion ministries to um, not just tell people about Jesus, but to show them Jesus. Right. So what was the living conditions um, in, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming since it's a very large city that most of those people living on the streets or? Yeah. So there's a lot of people on the streets. There's also, um, when you think of slums, just like kind of 10 buildings, you know, just kind of whatever materials they can find making like little shacks. And, um, but what the strangest thing was I live, I mean, I lived in a high rise apartment. Um, there were 57 buildings in like a square mile in my society and I think 18 floors and for each building. So, and then right next to that would be just like a slum, like with people and, you know, so just the disparity between the classes and just right next to each other was also such a strange thing to see. Right. So how what, how did they respond? I mean, you were working with them. I'm sure you're probably providing food for them. Um, yeah. So mostly when we would do, we would partner with national pastors who would do those sorts of things and let, and they would give out food. But a lot of what I did, um, especially my last kind of three years was train believing women and just encourage them and teach them how they could share their testimony, how they could go out and even just gather a group of women to study the Bible. Since they were illiterate, it was usually using SD cards on their phones to listen to the Bible and then questions they can ask so that they can learn and apply it to their life. So that's a lot of what I did. And then we would come alongside pastors, national pastors who were doing like feeding and giving those things out. But during COVID, I mean, I wasn't in India then, but many of my friends, teammates, and national partners, it was a great opportunity to partner with Cindra Leaf, formerly Baptist Global Response, to provide food, um, just like we did here in the States as people lost jobs and all those things. Right. So your Compassion Ministries, I mean, the same thing that you were doing there, we do uh, do it here too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's not quite the same. I mean, I know that your extreme poverty, I mean, compared to the United States, our poor are rich in comparison, though, do you think? Yes, I, by comparison, yes. But to the person in the States that's hungry, like, they don't feel any more blessed than the person in India that's hungry. Like, if you're hungry, you're hungry. If you're going without, and that's real, I mean, that's what poverty is. It's like going without basic needs. And so it looks different in different places. But we do, we have the the same needs here. We have the same needs here in Tennessee. Actually, almost 14% of people in um, Tennessee that actually have an income live below the poverty line. And so I don't think, sometimes we don't realize how great the need is even here right where we are. Yeah. Is there like in in state Tennessee, I'm sure probably there's probably pockets there are more uh, those who are in need like Memphis, Nashville. Yeah, yeah. But even some of our more like our smaller communities um, where especially hit by COVID where people lost jobs and it's not as easy to find another job. And um, we saw so many of our um, feeding ministries where they're seeing 
and even now as food costs are going up and everything's so expensive, families that were already struggling, they can't keep up. And so just to provide food every day for their family um, is very much a reality. So especially now I'm um, uh, making an assumption here, East Tennessee mm-hmm. in the mountainous areas, mm-hmm. I would say rural, but I'm not sure if rural really describes it. I mean, there are they're especially toward maybe Mountain City, mm-hmm. very spread out. Mm-hmm. Those people who are really struggling. There's a ministry, and you'll have to re- remind me, uh, me and, and Joe actually drove over there right on the Georgia line and picked up some sub, some backpacks for him. Well, um, copper, the Copper Basin? Yes, Copper yes. Basin. And that place is pretty amazing. I, yeah. I, I was just so surprised because when we first pulled up, it looked like this little bitty very small church mm-hmm. old church and then we drove beside it and that building yeah. kept Goes going on and, and on. on yeah and it was full of food right and so when they they people would come in and they had a i guess had a little aisle they walked down they could choose so many cans things yes. and walk out yes but they were bringing truckloads yes. of, of food in. Yes. And they were distributing that food not only in Tennessee, but to Georgia as well. Yeah. Yes. That was imp- pretty incredible. Yeah. Yes. So it's an incredible ministry that touches so many people. And that's an, a, an area of extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. But we have so many ministries like that around the state. More in East Tennessee, but they're all across the state where just doing incredible work to feed people. So how can a local church uh, plug into something like this. I, I know that in any town, uh, big or small, we were just talking about, you could see some sort of poverty there. And, and many times, as a believer, our eyes are probably not open to the need that there really is yeah. in our community. Yeah. So how does a local church plug into that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the first thing is to really, um, to kind of open your eyes and take a minute to look and to see what the needs are and to talk to other organizations or other um, groups in the city to see what are other people doing and what's the need that's not being met. If there's three or four food pantries and they have plenty to go around, maybe that's not what you need to step into. But maybe in your community, um, addiction's really high and people coming out of recovery need church members and believers to come alongside of them. Um, So many times we think of compassion ministries as only feeding or clothing like a clothes closet, but it really encompasses so much more. And we're trying to help our churches. We want our churches to see the needs in their community and then see how they can meet them and where their passions and their giftings will match up with needs in the community. Right. Now that can be very intimidating for people, can it? It can. Yeah. Especially if you're an introvert, you know, like yes. to talk to people. Yes. <laughs> that makes it very difficult. Yes. Uh, but the reason why you do it is more so than yourself, but because God's called us to do it. Exactly. And God gives us the courage and the strength to, if, if we share our faith right. with someone we don't know, then we can uh, meet their needs as well. Right, right. And for the person that's maybe not going to be the one going door to door, like sharing the gospel or handing out the track, but you can faithfully serve at a food pantry and fill food boxes, like that is still um, a huge need. And that is still showing um, people who Jesus is. Um, because, I mean, Luke 4 is one of the kind of anchor passages for what we do as compassion ministries. And that's when Jesus opened up the scroll in Isaiah. And he, then he says, like, I've come, I've come to set the captives free and, um, and to 
feed the hungry and all of these things. And that's what we're called to, to also reflect to our communities and to non-believers that we are showing who Jesus is. Now, there's many opportunities in our, in around any kind of uh, local church, mm-hmm. and they really need to look for those opportunities. Where can they, where should they go first? If they're not really aware, where should they go first to find those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I would say one of the things that we recommend that churches do is do a survey even of your own church and say, okay, what is everybody, when you look at our community, what do you see that the needs are? And then to also reach out to um, social services, reach out to like Department for Children's Services, find out, you know, is there a need for foster parents? Is there a need to come along children that have been taken into to be placed in foster care? And do we need to come alongside those people? Do we have a huge um, drug problem, which across the state, like the opioid crisis is, I mean, it is its own pandemic. And so we need believers to come alongside and to open their doors for a recovery group, a celebration recovery. Um, Even now with all the loss that we've seen in COVID, um, we churches need to have and offer grief share where people can just come in and um, talk about the loss that they've experienced. And I think that's such an important thing for us to remember. It's like you say, people get overwhelmed. They are unsure how to start. And it really is to just make one small step. Um, my church in Nashville, I just talked last week with a lady who has started a ministry where serving unwed mothers or mothers with an unexpected pregnancy and walking alongside them through the pregnancy, having a baby shower for them, all of this. And she um, actually was saying, it's actually when brother Randy came to speak at, at my church and just said, like, just find that thing that you're passionate about and just do something, just do anything. And so that really challenged her and that's what she was passionate about. And so um, sometimes we overcomplicate what yeah. it actually is. Yeah. Do you feel like that some of those agencies, are they welcome to churches to come in to help? Some are and some aren't. And so sometimes that's its own ministry in and of itself to build a relationship. I know um, a church in the Franklin area like has just taken the steps to really um, minister to the social workers in um, Department of Children's Services. I, Kim Margraves, it's Clearview. Um, Kim used to be on our staff, and she's that's that's really who they started to minister to is just taking food to these social workers who are burnout and overwhelmed. And as they've built that relationship, then that's open other doors. And so, yeah, not every agency is welcomed at all. Um, you know, reaching out to the police department to just say like, what needs do you have? Um, and so, but you won't know if they're welcoming or not if you don't reach out. And so it's just making a step. So asking questions. Yeah. So it may be making several phone calls just yes. to find out where the need is. Yes. Because one need in one community may be different than another exactly. community. Exactly. So we can't take it for granted this is this is the, the need. Even though there may be a need. Right. Uh there until people are receptive to that need right then then you that you may not be as effective but you need to to be right a, a, aggressive in to find yeah, out yeah finding out yeah. what it is yeah and yeah if your church is across the street from a school that's a great first step walk over and meet the principal hey do you have students who need food? Can we fill backpacks of food? Do you have teachers who need school supplies? <laughs> like, do you need something painted? You know, simple things um, where you're just starting. Because what we say the goal of Compassion Ministries is, it's meeting needs so that you can build relationships in order to share the gospel. And so 
it all, it's all based on relationships. And so you just have to start and get your foot in the door some way. So one person at a time. Yeah. So it can, and, and that will help you not be so overwhelmed, right? Right. We, we, you don't look at the bigger picture, but look at, if I can just minister one person, and then we can go to the next person after right. that. And, I mean, oftentimes churches think, oh, we don't have the money, you know, like it's a, a budget issue or concern like that. Or, um, yeah, they just have, you know, concerns, valid concerns. But you hear so many stories of churches when they start taking those steps of obedience and even giving financially when they're not sure how they're going to meet other needs. Then the Lord, you know, lo and behold, a new family joins that are faithful tithers or, you know, the Lord is going to take care of all those needs when we step out in obedience to to do the thing that he's called us to do. Do you have a victory story that kind of comes to mind of someone who was impacted by a compassion ministry? Yeah, well, even the, um, so this young girl that's been coming to my church to um, participate in this group, um, she's never had anybody like walk alongside of her. And so she's really um, seeing what it, what the body of Christ looks like. And she hasn't come to faith yet, but to just hear the stories as she's seeing these st- strangers welcome her and love on her. Um, and then we've seen through many of these ministries that kind of struggled at the start of COVID. Um, I think of Charm Ministries in Townsend and how um, they had to kind of revamp what they were doing, typically a resort ministry. And now they're really impacting and meeting needs for people who are from Townsend, not just coming in to be in the resort, um, but they are doing adult education classes for people that live in the community. They're providing hot meals for people who really struggled through COVID. Um, And they have a partnership in the school where they did the Christmas backpacks, which is something we do in Compassion Ministries. And they were able to be in the school and share the Christmas story, share the hope of Christ. And so I love to see how they um, really rose to the challenge when COVID could have shut them down and really cramped everything that they were doing. They they reevaluated and looked at felt needs in the community and said, we're going to meet these needs. That's neat. Well, and, and, and then we, I think probably you can, you tell me, I'm just kind of throwing out here that a church w- should start with something that's already established in the community already that's meeting those needs. And maybe they can plug into that yeah. first. Yeah. And then from there they can kind of expand. Right? And work with the connections that you have. If you, um, there's a, a church in Jackson and they had, um, a nurse who went on uh, like a medical trip and said, you know what, we need to start a medical clinic here. And so um, it really didn't, it doesn't cost like a whole lot. They had the experience and the knowledge and the, so they have a thriving um, medical um, clinic. And not only that, but they've seen people come to, like they've seen people come to faith, not necessarily through the clinic, but the Lord's brought new people to this church. And so again, you see how the Lord just works all of those things out, but they stepped out in faith doing what they already knew how to do. So look at the people within your church and what are the gifts, what are the skill set. And again, like it doesn't have to be rocket science. Um, and sometimes we, again, I'm, and I'm guilty of it too, overcomplicating things. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's actually a, a generation that uh, I think more of the millennial, if, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, millennial generation that really thrives on community 
uh, in, uh, plugging into something yes. local, right? Yes, yeah. Like want to be involved in, in social change right. and all of those things. Those are very much um, in, an important issue. And so how can we as a church just show this is what we're about. This is what Jesus was about. And um, I think because of COVID, we've all, we've all kind of gone inward now more than ever is the church's time to come out to meet the needs in our community to be the light um when i came into this position i was in other positions uh, within tbnb and it was about this time last year when um, i was approached about this opportunity and i was actually reading in isaiah 58 and at that time and so that's when the lord is calling his people to um he tells them the fast that he would choose and he's calling them to kind of put aside just this kind of habitual religious activity and to get out. And he talks about feeding, um, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, um, helping the vulnerable. And he says at the end of that chapter, it's, it's a great, a great passage for, for people to read. But he says at the end, when we start again, doing these things, um, I just love the picture that he paints um, of what will happen. And he says, some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. And you, you will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. And I just feel like that's who we need to be at the church right now. Like we need to repair the broken things. We need to work and we need to, um, how great if Tennessee Baptist churches could be known as the restorers of the streets where we live in Tennessee. That's awesome. Well, Beth, I appreciate you coming to share with us. Now, if uh, there's someone who is listening that, uh, would, would like to know more about this, you can c- contact Beth at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, mm-hmm. uh, and you can find out uh, uh, a contact email from the Mission Board website, Yes, which is uh, www.tmbaptist.org. Yes, and we actually have a dedicated Compassion Ministries page. Um, and even some of the, like when I talked about taking a survey of your church or talking to like a community needs assessment, we have some of those actually on the website mm-hmm. um, for people to print off and um, just some other things. There's webinars that we've done on mm-hmm. different um, types of compassion ministry. So if people are wondering what it might look like, we've talked to um, leaders around the state that are doing some different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so there's um, some resources on there, but you can always reach out and email right. or call me. Well, and Beth is a great speaker. So I would <laughs> I invite you to ask her to come and speak to your ladies group for, or during one of your worship times. Uh, she would be able to, I think, give some good information for your your congregation and Bill share a, a word from the Lord. So I have a lot Thanks. of respect for Beth. Thanks, so I really Kevin. appreciate you uh, spend some time with us. For those who are listening to us, I hope that uh, you have are listening to something that is beneficial for you. And if you're listening to iTunes or SoundCloud, please leave a comment or just follow us. That will help others to encourage them to listen to this great resource. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a question for Beth or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you'll look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, 
visit tnbaptistcamps.org.